Hey there, this is Clark with the Paleo Hacks Podcast. Welcome back to another Thursday show. Good to be here again. My next guest is Jonathan Baylor. He wrote The Calorie Myth, and he's here today to talk about what if everything we knew about health was wrong. How to lose weight is to eat more and exercise less, and you actually uh, lose more fat that way. So again, he's the author of The Calorie Myth, and he's here today to talk about his sane S-A-N-E acronym for weight loss, fat loss, and overall health. Definitely a lot of energy on this call. It was fun talking to Jonathan, and it was a great show all around. A couple announcements, paleohacks.com. If you want the timestamps for this show in case you missed something, want to go back, want to skip ahead, that's over there. As long as the video version of this, see our pretty faces right there on the screen. Um, that's all at paleohacks.com. We also have lots of recipes. Uh, for gluten-free, dairy-free, even vegan if you're vegan, listening to Paleo Podcasts. Good. Remember, this show's not about what diet's the best. It's about how do we get healthy and uh, incorporate things into our life to the best we can. Social media, at Clark Dangerous. That's O-U-S. If you want to get a hold of me, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, the whole nine over there. Paleo Hacks, at Paleo Hacks. If you want to follow us for updates, And then uh, that's it. We'll leave it at that. All right. You ready for the show? I'm ready for you to hear it. Let's go see what my man Jonathan Baylor has to say. What if everything we were taught about health and fitness was wrong? That the right way to lose weight is to eat more and exercise less? My next guest is here to answer that very question. He is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, The Calorie Myth host of the Sane Show podcast, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jonathan Baylor. Hey, what's up, Clark? Thanks so much for having me. Good to have you, man. Good to have you. I was before this, like all shows, you know, you got to do some research. Got to do your research, Jonathan. (laughs) And I had the best time researching you, man. You have some energy and you just look like you're having a good time when you're giving talks. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I am having a good time. But when you when you're literally spending your life and your time. And I, I, you know, I work with a wonderful team that, that helps immensely saving people's lives because that's really what we're seeing with this new science. It's hard not to get excited, man. So it's, it's good stuff. Do you have any like narration experience? Cause you have that kind of like voiceover voice when you're doing talking and videos and stuff. I have been public speaking uh, professionally for probably 15 years or so. So that has something to do with it. I also, yeah. my, my parents involved me in drama and theater when I was younger. So I've been on a stage since I was four years old. Yeah, that's probably it sounded sounded like a voiceover. And I was expecting, you know, just the images and then you come on and it matches. I was like, oh, all right, this guy's the real deal. <laughs> but I mean, this is a health podcast, not a not a drama podcast, although that would be fun. Um, so the calorie myth, when someone comes up to you at a party, Jonathan, and they're like doing the cocktail questions, what do you do? How do you respond with your work and, and everything to that question? I generally say that I'm a health entrepreneur. That's the easiest way to put it. I mean, I did write a book called The Calorie Myth, but that book was really just the distillation of over 15 years of research and collaboration with top doctors at the Harvard Medical School, Johns Hopkins, UCLA, as well as my work at Microsoft helping to develop the Nike Plus Connect training as well as the Xbox Fitness offering to basically say – Everything 
at least everything that the mainstream knows about eating and exercise is what science thought was true in the 1960s. But as you can imagine, such as like computers and planes and phones, <laughs> like things have changed since the 1960s a little bit. But unlike computers, planes and phones, when it comes to the new information around eating and exercise, and the new technologies around eating and exercise that hasn't made its way to the general public. So my company and my personal mission is to provide tools and services and programs to get it's not about a diet it's not about paleo it's not about low carb it's not about organic it's about what has the clinical science proven to be healthy now and how can you eat that every day in an enjoyable way yeah it's kind of like some people are operating under the uh same information would be equivalent to like using a burner flip phone today's world that's not even got the smart technology integrated you know people change their phone i just got my new phone uh i change that every six months and we don't really do that with information. They stick around a long time. And so is that what you're doing? You're trying to upgrade the new operating system of the mainstream diet out there? That's exactly right. The, I would take it one step further, though, and say the burner flip phone is actually not far back enough. We're talking, we're talking the, the phone with the, the rotary <laughs> dial on it. That's yeah. what we're talking about. Because literally, right, when we look at, for example, the, the leader in the weight loss space, a company called Weight Watchers, which was founded in the 1960s, based on a premise that we just need to eat less and sort of shame our way into fitness. And that's what most people still think. They just think, oh, if this has less than 400 calories in it, it's good for me. And if this, sure. and that's just wrong. So, so we're not just at flip phones. We're at like cups with string and we need to <laughs> update that. So what are you suggesting people update it to uh, when you're talking about, you know, throughout the flip burner cordless phone, the uh, Weight Watchers model, calorie model, how do you, what do you recommend they start adopting? The key underlying all of my recommendations and my research and what my company does is not that calories don't exist, but that a calorie isn't a calorie and that calories aren't the whole equation. So when we say SANE or SANE solution, uh, that is an acronym for the four factors that actually determine the quality of a calorie. So the S stands for satiety, the A stands for aggression, the N stands for nutrition, the E stands for efficiency. So what we've actually done is we've created a patented technology that instead of just saying, let's look at a food and see how much energy it provides, we say, let's look at a food and, pro and, and see what the quality of it is based on these four scientifically proven and objective measures. And that tells us really what science has shown us is healthy. And it tends to coincide with common sense mm -hmm. and, and history, which is great. So things like non-starchy vegetables, nutritious protein, whole food fats, low sugar fruits. And while people might say, oh, well, that sounds like you know what this diet says or what that diet says. Well, the big thing that we bring to the table is proof that it's right rather than just like, oh, that sounds neat and it's what, you know, people did in the past. So that's what we should do now. No, we should do something because it's been proven right clinically. So it sounds like from what I gathered research and before this, you're talking a lot of people emphasis have emphasis on the quantity of calories, you know, how many 400 eat X amount to lose weight, X amount to gain muscle. You're talking more about the quality of them with those four factors. That's exactly right. Because what happens, and this is a very important point, it's not that you can eat 10,000 calories of butter and not gain fat. If you do that, you will gain fat. The good news is nobody does that. <laughs> the point is that if you get the quality of calories right, your brain and hormones and gut are designed 
to automatically balance calories for you, just like they automatically balance blood pressure and they automatically balance blood sugar and body temperature and hydration and every other life-sustaining function. So if you get calorie quality right, calorie quantity will take care of itself effortlessly. And then someone listening right now who's uh, struggled with like weight and all that, this weight loss would kind of be a byproduct of getting all that stuff in order, correct? They That's could- ex- That's exactly right. I mean, the American Medical Association itself has acknowledged that obesity is now characterized as a disease. It's not because you're lazy. It's not a moral failing. It's much more analogous to diabetes. And when we eat the right quality of calories, what we actually do is we, it has nothing to do with like, I've created a negative energy balance. It's about you've literally changed the way your brain works. You've changed the way your hormones work and you've changed the way your gut works such that your body will start to now demand the correct number of calories and to burn the correct number of calories. So yes, what you'll actually have happen, and this is amazing, Clark, because we actually see in clinical studies what's called a spontaneous reduction of caloric intake. Now what that means is when you actually eat the right quality of calories without trying, without being hungry, without any sense of deprivation or cravings, people will accidentally eat a thousand fewer calories per day. Hmm. So could you imagine how difficult it would be to just willpower your way to eating a thousand fewer calories per day? What if that just happened without you even trying? Like, wouldn't that change your life? So that study was, how did, how did they do it? They had like two groups and one of them ate more sane foods and the other group ate more standard foods and the group that ate sane foods had a thousand fewer calories on average or what, what was the details of that? Yeah, similar to that. So there's two big classes of studies that are really interesting here. One is called an isocaloric study. Uh-huh. And in an isocaloric study, you take two groups of people and you hold the number of calories they eat consistent and you vary the sources, right? So you could take, for example, two groups of people, put them on 1600 calorie diets, give one group a higher percentage of protein than the other group and see who loses more weight. And according to the calorie is a calorie mythology, they, those studies would always be like, everyone loses the same amount of weight. And every study that's ever been done like that shows that that is not what happens. So that in and of itself proves that a calorie isn't a calorie. The study we're talking about here are generally called ad libitum studies. So what you do is you give two groups of people, you say you can eat as much of you as you want, but only from these foods. And then they use very rigorous testing to say how many calories did these people eat? Or you can even do simpler versions of this, like say, give group A this breakfast and give group B this breakfast and then see how they eat throughout the day compared to a baseline. And that's how they observe these results. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's always fascinating when you get down to the quality. And I love studies like that that can illustrate that they're not all created equal. But you were talking about earlier the four things you look for in your acronym SANE. S-A-N-E, which is satiety, aggression, nutrition, and efficiency. Um, Why did you focus on those four things? The good news, Clark, is that I, it wasn't really up to me. So I have to give a one big disclaimer here and that I really am the mouthpiece for who, what I would say are the actual experts, right? So these are hardcore academic researchers that spend their time wearing lab coats, not spandex on television. So <laughs> what, what I've done over the past 15 years is literally got on the phone with these folks and said, look, your research can save people's lives 
help me get it out there. And of course, they're very happy to do that because they're really good at research, not at PR and, and getting in their work out into the public. So what I found after examining over these, these 1300 studies was these four common denominators. It wasn't up to me. So what you can see if you review the literature is satiety or how quickly calories fill you up and how long they keep you full is something that researchers study and can quantify. They can say objectively, protein calorie for calorie is more satiating than sugar, for example. Or the A, the aggression. This has to do with things like glycemic index, glycemic load, the hormonal response. Okay. These are things studied in the research and objectively measurable. Like no one can argue that a piece of whole wheat bread spikes your insulin more than a Snickers bar. You can measure it and it's, it's just no debate. It's just, caught, it's, it's just proof. So ag- aggression is the effect of the, cal- of the calorie of the food on your body hormonally? Correct. Correct. So like an aggressive calorie would be less desirable because it causes like an aggressive spike or hormonal response. Okay. So like sugar would be more aggressive than uh, butter because the insulin spike you would get from that carb is more uh, detrimental to your body. The, uh, it would be more aggressive. More I, aggressive. I don't want to go so far as to say detrimental because it kind of depends on the context. Sure. Like if you were running a marathon, it would be beneficial. <laughs> but in general, everyday life, it would be detrimental. Yes. Okay. But okay. what's really important, and Clark, you sort of alluded to this. You know, people might say, oh, okay, like that's, that's uh, minimizing insulin. That's the key, right? We'll see that the reason that the sane criteria is so important is because you can't just look at satiety. You can't just look at aggression. You can't just look at nutrition and you can't just look at efficiency. Each of those only give you a piece of the puzzle. You have to combine all four of them to get a holistic, sustainable answer. Yeah. And so nutrition, would nutrition be like vitamin content and uh, mineral profile of the food? It is. It's that, but held relative uh-huh. to the negative aspects of the food. So what I mean by that is, for example, if you just say how many vitamins and minerals are in this, then Lucky Charms, great choice because it's got a lot of vitamins and minerals in it. So, But what we need to do with nutrition quality or nutrient density is look at the ratio of essential nutrients to things that are non-essential and addictive and toxic. And the thing we also look at in a sane framework is we consider, for example, things like essential amino acids and essential fatty acids to be as essential as essential vitamins and minerals. So Hmm. something might have more calories in it, like cod liver oil, but those calories are coming from essential nutrition. So that's very important. Okay. And then the last one is efficiency. What is that one all about? This is least well known in the mainstream. And it has to do with how easily your body can take a food. And if you eat too much of it, store it as fat. So the easiest way to explain this is I think most people definitely, if they're listening to your show, understand that your body can run on two, two things, sugar or fat. Like those are the two energy sources your body can use. But there's three macronutrients. There's carbohydrate, fat, and protein. So you're like, hmm, well, what, what about protein? Like what happens if I eat protein? Right. Well, if you eat protein, right, protein is a structural component that you're made of. Fat is to some extent too, but it can also be used as a fuel source. Protein can't be used as a fuel source. When you eat it, it breaks down into amino acids. If those aren't used as a structural component, they go through your liver, turn into sugar. If you can't use the sugar, it goes into your fat cells as triglyceride. So for example, protein is a very inefficient energy source because it's Mm -hmm. not an energy source. So diets that have foods that are rich in protein 
often result in weight loss and other metabolic benefits because you're providing your body with the raw material it needs to heal itself rather than just flooding it with energy. Okay. Um, so with a, like a very, very high protein diet, people say, oh, I can, I can just be more efficient. I can just eat protein all day and lose the weights. And uh, is, where does the macro uh, ratios come in? You know, proteins, fats, carbs, percent wise. Do you focus on percentages or how does the same diet work with macronutrients? We don't focus on percentages. I can tell you out of the box, I mean, there, there are percentages, but it's not that. The reason we don't focus on percentages is you could eat a macronutrient, a, a, a good macronutrient ratio diet from crap sources, right? Like if you're getting 50% of your protein from GMO corn-fed nonsense, right? In some ways, and Clark, this is really important, right? When we say it's not about calorie is a calorie because calories quality vary, right? Macronutrients are just almost like a euphemism in some ways for calories, right? Because there's, there's calories and there's three sources of calories, protein, fats, and carbohydrates. So what we need to be careful that we don't use the same logical mistake and say, well, protein is protein. So as long as you get 30% of your calories from protein, you're all set, right? Getting 30% of your calories from whole food safe, humanely raised seafood is going to give you an entirely different result than getting 30% of your calories from like whey protein isolate. Not yeah. that whey protein isolate is bad, but it's like way more insulemic, for example. Or like conventional farming meats and all that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, there was a big craze in the bodybuilding community. I don't know if you follow any of that, those trends, but uh, I, I, I peep now and then into what they got going on. And it was called If It Fits in Your Macros. Uh-huh. And it was where people would chart on apps and they would just focus on macronutrients. So as long as they got 30%, you know, 50, 20, whatever they were doing, um, it was a good, it was a good day. So people were fasting all day and going to Chick-fil-A and as long as it fit in their macros, they were, they were going for it. So obviously not a sane approach. Uh, not a, it's not a sane approach, Clark, but I want to be very clear because I always want to be about what the science says. Like my opinion doesn't matter. What the science says is if your goal is to be a fitness competitor, which is very different than not getting diabetes in your sixties, right? They're totally different goals. If you want to be a fitness competitor, you can get 3% body fat eating garbage. You Mm. can. If you get your macros right and you get your calories right, you can also get 3% body fat by snorting cocaine, taking stimulants, and a bunch of anabolic steroids. That doesn't mean it's good for you, right? So there's a lot of like disagreement on the internet, but the disagreement is because people are arguing two different points. What is healthy long-term versus what will get me like sexy abs now? are not the same things. Yeah, that's a good point, man. I, I think uh, a lot of people determine a success or failure of a diet or approach or a nutrition plan based on the external outcome. How good do you look at the end of the 30-day program? Mm-hmm. How good do you look at the end of Weight Watchers? How good do you look at the end of Sane? And sometimes it can be frustrating because you try and make these big diet changes and maybe you're not losing weight as fast enough as you want to, or maybe you plateau at a weight loss goal. Um, So what do you say to people that maybe have tried paleo or a real food approach or like the same diet and they still don't feel like they're losing weight and that's really frustrating for them. Do you got any advice out there or any opinions out there on that? The, 
the key thing here actually has to do with something you said earlier, Clark, which is at the end. So if you're, if you're, you'll know your mindset is right when it comes to your lifestyle and your diet and your exercise, when the idea of like, well, when I'm finished with this goes away, because no matter what you do to take control of your health and fitness, the day you stop doing it, it is the day all of those results will stop as well. So any of these 21 day, this 30 day, that 12 week, this like, well, if you're on the freeway and you put your foot on the accelerator to get up to 60 miles an hour, and then you take your foot off the accelerator, you ain't going to go 60 miles per hour anymore. And it's not because what you did was ineffective. It's because you stopped doing it. So what we actually need to look at, and, and Clark, the data is super clear here. Weight loss isn't the issue. Every single person, here's a crazy statement. Every single person who's ever tried to lose weight has lost weight. The problem is they weren't able to maintain that weight loss. In fact, 95.4% of people who successfully lose weight by eating less and exercising more gain it back and then more. So what we need to do is we need to find an approach that doesn't set off a trigger in your mind which says, oh, well, when I finish this, I will be X. Like a vegetarian doesn't say, well, when I finish becoming a vegetarian, that's just the way they eat. You know what I'm saying? So when, when you go sane... It's not about saying, I'm going to go sane and then stop. It's much more like becoming a vegetarian. And it depends on how much damage has happened to your body, how much you've weight cycled, if you're on SSRIs, if you've had children, how old you are. But the bottom line is that the more raw nutrition you give your body and the less toxic nonsense you put in it, your body will heal itself. It may not heal itself as fast as you want. And your definition of success if if you're 65 and want to see your abs you know that's that's not natural that isn't a pro, that's sort of like i could have a goal to play in the nba but sadly like i'm going to live every day of my life frustrated cuz that's just not going to happen you know yeah. so sometimes we need to make sure that our goal is healthy it is sustainable it is long term and if we get that goal right that sense of, of, of failure goes away because that's only a function of expectations. So when we get our expectations in line with reality and in line with what's healthy, then we're, we're happy as well. I like the vegetarian bit. No one commits just at the end of it. What's it going to look like? But I wanted to talk now about um, sane foods or the foods that you would recommend people eat, you know, because they've been hearing us talk about weight loss and getting all these four factors what are so describe like a typical day of eating or maybe some foods that fall into your sane categories out there? The three common denominators for sane foods are water, fiber, and protein. So what we're going to look for are foods that are high in those three things. And what's beautiful is that common sense as well as longstanding human history comes into play here because the most water, fiber, and protein as well as nutrient-dense foods in the planet are non-starchy vegetables. These are vegetables you could eat raw. You don't have to eat them raw, but like you can't eat a potato raw. You can't eat corn raw. That's not a non-starchy vegetable. Yeah. That's a starch. So things you generally put in a salad, green vegetables, things along those lines. We want to make sure that the vast majority of food we're putting into our body is that. That should be the highest volume of food we eat. Second on the list would be nutrient-dense proteins. So these are foods that get more calories from protein than fat or carbohydrate. So beans that get 80% of their calories from carbohydrate are not a good source of protein. 
they're a good source of carbohydrate. So, so we're focusing on humanely raised animals, ideally wild-caught seafood, some low-sugar sources of dairy, certain forms of safe protein powders can be helpful as well here. Those are nutrient-dense proteins. Third on the list is whole food fats. This is where you should get the balance of your calories. You ain't going to get a lot of calories from non-starchy vegetables, and the calories you get from protein aren't going to be used as an energy source primarily, so you need to get your energy from whole food fats. So this means like eggs, nuts, seeds, whole foods. An oil is not a whole food. So yes, coconut oil is a good oil, but you know what's even better for you? Coconut. So I'd rather you focus on eating the coconuts. And then last on the list are low sugar fruits. So, you know, grapes are nowhere near as good for you as, say, blueberries. So we want to eat fruits that provide us with the most of that which is essential for us to thrive and the least of which is non-essential, such as fructose. Okay. Uh, Do you, for like the carb one, that's a big thing in the, you know, low-carb community and paleo community. And we have guests coming on here talking about limiting your carbs to 50 grams a day or or, uh, measuring on a glycemic index load. So what's your stance then on carb consumption, um, you, I mean, you mentioned the fruit that you were talking about. You know, blueberries are better than grapes. But what's your general take on carbs? Carbs are a very powerful tool. So let me let me describe what I mean there. I see there's there's three categories of carbs. I've actually never thought of it this way. So this is a good way to think about. It. There's just carbs that everyone agrees are garbage and you shouldn't eat. So those are things like sugar and refined starch, right? No, no one's going to come on your show and be like, drink more Pepsi. That's the way to go. <laughs> okay, so we can take yeah. those out. The next thing we have are things that are probably going to be starchier and sugarier, but do have some essential nutrition in them. So like bananas would be an example. Sweet potatoes would be an example. Oats might be an example. And then we have things which everyone would agree are good for you. Non-starchy vegetables, right? Non-starchy vegetables are carbs. They've, they get their calories not from fat and not most of them from protein, but from carbs. So no, no matter what, you should be eating a lot of non-starchy vegetables. And if you eat the amount of non-starchy vegetables and other foods that I recommend, by default, you're going to be in the 75 to 125 grams of carbohydrate per day. So it's not a ketogenic diet doesn't mean that ketogenic diets are bad. Ketogenic diets can be brilliant for you, but it's just not what sane will yield out of the box. Now, when it comes to starchier carbohydrates, we've got to look at the rest of your lifestyle. If you're a 20-year-old crossfitting male, yes, you should absolutely eat sweet potatoes. If you're a 65-year-old postmenopausal woman with diabetes who's weight-cycled her entire life, you'd be way better off getting your carbs from kale than from sweet potatoes. Okay. Um, I wanted to touch on hormones because I know that plays an important role in weight loss and it's a big topic nowadays. A lot of people are talking about balancing your hormones. There's all sorts of testing out there. It seems like that's the uh, that and the gut are the two things people are becoming more aware of. Um, what's your take then on hormones or balancing your hormones, especially when it comes to weight loss? How much focus should people be giving to hormones? A huge amount of focus. That's really the reason we want to manipulate calorie quality rather than quantity is the quality of calories we eat is is a lever by which we can change our hormones. So, for example, it, just taking a garbage insulin spiking diet and taking you know from 2,000 calories of that to 1,600 calories of that, yes, you'll spike your insulin levels less, 
but you're still spiking your insulin levels. It's like going from smoking two packs of cigarettes a day to smoking one, right? It's better, but it's still not good. But when you go to taking in a, a low aggression diet that's going to you know, get your right levels of hormones in place, yes, I mean, you can take, there's been amazing studies done. If anyone doubts the impact that hormones have, you can look at two simple examples. One is insulin therapy and diabetics. There's all sorts of studies demonstrating that if you keep someone's calorie quantity and quality consistent, but inject insulin into their body, they will gain fat. Why? Because it's changing their hormone levels. Hmm. Here's another example. Anabolic steroids. Anyone who's ever taken anabolic steroids or knows anyone who's taken anabolic steroids will say they can eat the exact same, they can exercise the exact same, you start pumping both testosterone into your body, guess what happens? Your body changes. So yes, hormones are critically important and in fact, food and exercise should be thought of as tools used to change your hormone levels. Right, that's just what I was going to ask you because is eating real food, like a real food diet approach or what you recommend, is that enough in and of itself and that hormones will balance themselves out naturally or should people be trying to be more alert for testing? Um, what's kind of the, the focus there? Like how much time should we be devoting to balancing our hormones versus just eating real foods and naturally they balance themselves out? So just eating real foods is not enough. So this is why like the sane approach is so important because it's impossible to bastardize sane eating. You can't do it. I can bastardize eating real foods for you in 15 seconds, right? Eating lard, honey, and white potatoes is a real foods diet that will kill you and make you feel miserable. So it's, it's not enough to just eat real food, right? Wheat is a real food. Amylopectin A isn't doing any favors for your appetite or for your gut health. So real foods is a starting point, but then we need to look within real foods for foods that are the most satisfying, the least aggressive, the most nutritious, and the least efficient. And that's why we're like, it's real food plus sane together, good stuff. Okay. A um, couple more questions then. What are some action steps people can take at home? You know, they heard the call. They're getting all fired up about satiety, aggression, nutrition, efficiency. Uh, what do you what are your kind of your, your action steps you recommend people try out? First and foremost, I would say hop over to SaneSolution.com if you're willing. Just go Sane, S-A-N-E, Solution. There's no S at the end. SaneSolution.com because we've got a food list and a blueprint and a bunch of other great free resources that you can check out going to outline actually the sane spectrum, what's on the sane end, what's on the insane end. And it's going to help you get started on that new lifestyle, which isn't like when this ends, I'll be X, but more like this is the new normal. And because it's the new normal, it's something you can keep up enjoyably for the long term and then enjoy the benefits long term. And that's the key thing, Clark. It's not a question of like, does this work for 12 weeks? Who cares? <laughs> what matters is, will this work forever after those 12 weeks. That's what we're after. Do you have any like diet recommendations they could try out today or any lifestyle modifications that you really see working with a lot of people? Eat radically more green vegetables. It's the thing no one wants to talk about on the internet. Everyone wants to argue you about starch and protein and fat. The one thing that everyone agrees on is 
green vegetables are really good for you. And if you ask even the most health conscious person in the world, hey, on average, how many green vegetables do you eat per day? That number is going to be lower than it probably should be. So if you want, turn down the volume on everything else until you're eating five to nine servings of green vegetables per day. Okay. What five to nine, what does that look like? Is, is one serving like a fistful, right? Or what are they like with vegetables? When you're looking at leafy green vegetables, a serving is about what you can hold in two hands. So the easiest way to do this is green smoothies. We're a huge fan of green smoothies just because I know everyone's super busy. That also makes it convenient for you to eat them raw. And then you can also get creative and put a bunch of other fun stuff in your smoothie. But if you if you eat, if you do green smoothies or if you just make sure with each of your meals, you're taking in one or two servings of green vegetables and then maybe having one green smoothie per day, you'll be at that five to nine mark quite easily. Okay. Awesome. Jonathan, thanks for coming on. Uh, You have a podcast as well. It's the Sane Podcast, correct? Sane Show, yes. Sane Show. Uh, What's an episode people can start with on that if they wanted to check it out? Well, we've done like uh, 9 million, so I think the last 50 or something are on iTunes. So, I mean, the best bet, all of this stuff is on SaneSolution.com. There's something in the footer that says show. But yeah, if you pop over to SaneSolution.com, you can get information on the show and everything else. Okay. Awesome, Jonathan. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, brother. Jonathan Baylor, everyone. Good stuff with the SANE acronym. Again, lots of energy on that call. Announcements to close off iTunes, ratings, and reviews. If you want to head over there, leave us a rating and a review. You'll get it read on air. This call right here. Uh, It takes like two minutes and it really helps us out. Thank you if you've already done that in advance. To get this full show with the video version timestamps, along with about a hundred other shows, head over to paleohacks.com. Be sure you check out one of my favorite shows with Wim Hof, the Iceman. He's going to show you on that show how to hold your breath for over three minutes. And we actually go through a breathing exercise on there. It was absolutely insane crack up. I had a great time talking to that guy. Um, So that's definitely a must watch or must listen to if you're on audio show. Great time. You can find me on social media at Clark Dangerous. That's just an O-U-S. And then if you want to get a hold of Paleo Hacks, follow us for updates, all the fun stuff, clips, keep yourself motivated, whatever whatever you got going on. That's at Paleo Hacks. The last thing I'll say, a program I put together, my best journal That's mybestjournal.com. It's a course that'll change your life, I think so, in under four short hours. Um, Put a lot of work into that. It basically goes over how do you set up a journal, something as simple as just a 100, 200 sheets of paper bound together that you can buy anywhere and transform that into the best book you've ever read. It's a system that you can use of journaling that will pay dividends if you use it for your life. Something I've been doing for six years, put a course together based on feedback, and I'm really proud of how it turned out. So you can get that at mybestjournal.com. All right, that is it. Uh, Let me look at the lineup here. Next week in July, we got Gunnar Lovelace to come on again, talk about Thrive Market, sustainability issues. Uh, Then we got Jim Quick, returning guest as well, to talk about hacking your memory, becoming superhuman, speed reading, um, all that stuff. And then the week after, we have Dr. Johnny Bodwin, one of my favorite guests, who's been on twice, 
to come on, talk about, uh, I think smart fats are what we're talking about this time around. Um, those are great shows. If you want to crack up interview, go back and listen to some with Johnny Bodwin. All right. That's it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a great week. I'll see you next Thursday.